The feast of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary as a Protestant looking at the Catholic Church with what I must confess was a hypercritical eye, I never thought of applying to my own religious tradition, was one of those Marian feasts I had real problems with. At least with the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, I could find scriptural support. But I couldn't find it with the dogma of the assumption that the end of her earthly life, the Holy Mother of God, was assumed body and soul into heaven. The scriptures tell us that's what happened to the prophet Elijah. Now, I don't have a problem with that. But it says nothing about Mary. The church's appeal to the role of tradition for this dogma just didn't cut it for me. Until that is, I began to understand what the church really means by tradition. Something I think even a lot of Catholics today don't understand. The Catholic and the Orthodox churches have a nuanced understanding of the interplay between scripture and tradition. Both churches hold that the scriptures, in fact, emerge from the tradition, not the tradition from the scriptures. That was an eye-opener for me as a Protestant. But it made sense, and it answered a number of questions for me. For example, before the scriptures were written, how was the mystery of the Eucharist handed down from one community to another throughout the church? Before the scriptures were written down, how was the faith that Jesus is the Son of God, the Savior of mankind, handed down? Before the scriptures were written down, how was the structure of church leadership, which had bishops, priests, and deacons right from the get-go, how was that handed down? Clearly, it was through the teaching and the actions of the apostles and their successors. In other words, the oral tradition of what Jesus said and did, transmitted by the church, brought people to faith long before the Gospels or any of the letters were written and distributed. And coming to faith, when all is said and done, is always the work of grace. Even when the Gospels were finally written, the understanding of the role of tradition was very clear. St. Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 2, and St. John's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, understood tradition as handing down of the truth of what Jesus said and did through the testimony of eyewitnesses. St. Peter referred to this in his second letter, chapter 1, verses 16 through 19. St. Paul, in writing to his spiritual son, Timothy, in 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verses 13 through 14, goes so far as refer to tradition as, quote, the deposit of faith, close quote. St. Matthew, in chapter 28, verse 20, records Jesus commanding the apostles to go into the world, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you when it is clear 
that not everything Jesus said or did was recorded. The very point St. John makes in his gospel in chapter 21, verse 25. St. Paul urged church leaders and believers to adhere to the oral apostolic tradition in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13, and in his letter to Titus chapter 1, verse 9. That word tradition comes from the Latin traditio, used to translate the Greek paradosis, which means transmission. Tradition is therefore the transmission of the fullness of the apostolic faith. What is written in the scriptures, what has been handed down orally. Tradition then is really the living memory of the apostles handed down by each generation of the church as she journeys through time. It is this tradition that we are graced to be faithful to. And this is why the church is not free to accept man-made innovations like ordaining women to the priesthood or to, or to engage in so-called gay marriage or to approve of immoral practices like birth control, abortion, euthanasia. Now, does scripture have a negative view of tradition? Oh, you bet it does. When tradition is perverted to mere human customs or even worse, manipulations to avoid fulfilling the divine mandate or the moral law, especially in showing charity to those in need. Jesus has no patience for such nonsense. For the church, scripture and tradition cannot be artificially separated. Together they transmit the fullness of the apostolic faith, like two strains of DNA, each is organically bound to the other. Neither can stand alone. That the Blessed Virgin Mary had a powerful role in the tradition of the church from early on cannot be denied, at least by a reasonable person. She is presented by early bishops and theologians as the new Eve, the new mother of the living, whose yes began the process of undoing the no that came from the old Eve. The Virgin Mary is also presented as the living ark of the new covenant. The old ark, as we heard in our first reading, was made of gold and wood, but the new ark, Mary, was of human flesh, our flesh. The old ark had to be carried by priests, and confined to the Holy of Holies in the temple, built of stone. But the new ark walked of her own free will in the world, bringing the Holy One to others. From the moment Mary said yes to conceive her creator, wrap your minds around that one, guys, to conceive her creator, to give birth to her redeemer, she ministered to others, going to her much older cousin Elizabeth to help with Elizabeth's pregnancy. The Virgin Mary had absolute confidence and trust that her son would accept her intercession for a young couple who ran out of wine at their wedding in Cana. She had no idea 
what Jesus was going to do, but had unwavering hope he would do something when she told the waiters, do whatever he tells you. Is that not precisely what she continues to tell all her son's disciples through the living gospel? She stood by the cross of her son and accepted being handed into the care of the apostle John. And despite all the emotional turmoil and horror of the cross, she heard her new role when her son said to her, Woman, behold your son, meaning the apostle. She was no longer only the mother of her creator. She was no longer just the mother of her redeemer. Now she was to be the mother of all of her son's apostles, of his church, of all his disciples for all time, and I would argue whatever the church. And from an Old Testament perspective, which would not have been lost on the first generation of Jewish Christians, the Blessed Virgin Mary parallels the critical role of what was called the Queen Mother, the mother of the king who sat on a throne next to her son to intercede for the people, a role that Mary does even now. The Blessed Virgin was and is now a creature like you, like me, she had to be redeemed, like you, like me. From the moment she consented to conceive and give birth to her creator and redeemer, to be what she says, the handmaid of the Lord, or better translated, the slave of the Lord, she placed her life in this world and in the next at the complete service of her son, her Lord, her Savior, our Savior. From as early as the 5th century, and we suspect even earlier, Christians in the East celebrated what was called the Dormition of the Theotokos, the falling asleep of the Virgin Mary, the Mother of God. It was celebrated on August 15th. This is a very ancient feast. Now keep in mind, the church preserves its earliest memories and experiences in the divine liturgy, the mass, and that is why she is so loath to allow mindless experimentation with it. That fifth century liturgy, therefore, may reflect traditions in the church from centuries earlier, honoring the oral tradition of the Virgin's assumption into heaven. What she the model of perfect discipleship experienced is what you and I will experience if we are faithful disciples of her son. The early church and the church for all time celebrates not only the Blessed Virgin's assumption into heaven, but the truth that our bodies, even though they will decay in the, our graves when we fall asleep in death, will be resurrected, reunited with our immortal soul. If, like Mary, we are faithful to her son and his gospel, then, like Mary, we also will be assumed into heaven 
our true home. Mary's assumption, therefore, is not a mystery reserved for her. It's designed to be a sign of the glory that awaits us. If we take her advice as she points to her son, our brother, do whatever he tells you. 